Hey, this is Philip Stutz, author of The Undefeated Marketing System. You are listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Philip Stutz. Philip is the founder and CEO of Win Big Media, a marketing agency which serves the corporate market and founder executive chairman of Go Big Media, a political marketing ad firm that has provided data-driven insights into high-stakes political contests, including presidential, senatorial races for both Republicans and Democrats. It's not surprising that he's spoken in front of 50 million people in his career, having appeared ESPN, CBS, Fox Business News, MSNBC, and CNN. Philip has been interviewed by renowned business, entertainment, and health leaders, including Anderson Cooper, Gary Vee, Peter Diamandis, Michael Hyatt, Stephen Gundry, all leading up to our interview today. I'm so happy to have you here. Philip has written multiple bestsellers, including his first book, Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell, and The Truth About Political Strategies That Help Businesses Win. He hosts the riveting interview podcast, The Undefeated Marketing System. Phillips lives in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, and is here to talk about his latest bestseller, The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and and build your audience using the secret formula that elects presidents. Welcome, Philip. Man, I'm excited to be here, Bill. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's somebody who influenced or inspired you? The answer is really nobody. I didn't have any kind of mentor or anybody in my life that provided any guidance that put me where I am today. So I'm one of these people that just didn't have any mentors until I was 28 years old. At 28, who was it who came into your life and started to offer you some sort of guidance or advice? There was this guy named Kurt who worked as a political consultant consultant. And Kurt was the first person that ever put me under his wing and saw that I had potential. And he helped me as I was trying to help run a United States Senate race. He then helped me and advised me and really mentored me in the governor's race that I ran for Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana, for about a two-year period. That is someone I talk to almost every day and really helped me find who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. It's so great to be able to look back on that, especially when you found yourself involved in high-stakes contests. I can't imagine anything more high stakes than a big election, whether it's presidential election or senatorial election, because it's all hinges on him, uh, on convincing people, you may say the right people who are undecided, to take a straightforward action, get up out of their routine and go vote at a particular time. Describe where you were in your career right before you launched the political marketing agency, because you worked internally in government, didn't you? I'd worked in government for a year and a half of my whole career, and I'm 47 now. What I actually did was I worked on political campaigns. And before I launched my agency in 2015, I was just a political consultant. So I was a one-man shop and politicians would hire me and I would be a strategic advisor to get them elected. I did it for 10 years and there came a point in 2013, 2014, where I went, being a one-man operation has a lot of downside because if you lose a couple clients, you're in deep trouble. The only way you do business development is through yourself. You also have to serve the clients and you also have to run your business and you have about 27 things you have to do. It didn't feel like I could leverage that into having the kind of life that I wanted to lead and the life I wanted to have. Frankly, the bank account I wanted to have. And I was living a great life and making a good amount of money, but it just wasn't 
wasn't what I wanted. So really, it led me back in, again, 2012, 13, 14, a lot of soul searching to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with all my experience going into the basically the second half of my life. I think a lot of people, Bill, they get to be around 38, 39, 40, 41 years old. And it's like taking a roller coaster ride and you're on the roller coaster and you're going up and about that 38 to 42 range, you crest on top of the hill of the roller coaster. And all of a sudden you look down and you go, oh my God, it's the same thing. It's not any different. A lot of people do a lot of crazy things in their midlife crisis. They go cheat on their spouse. They go buy a Harley Davidson. I just decided to start six different companies and become a real entrepreneur, not a wannapreneur. Do you remember the moment when you actually said, I'm getting serious about this? Was there a particular conversation you had or thought that came through that all of a sudden said, all right, this is the direction? 14. I I'd, I'd sort of moved in this direction, but I didn't have a guiding light. And in October of 2014, Tim Ferriss, his podcast, which is one of the biggest podcasts in the world, he had done Tony Robbins. I know who Tony Robbins was, but I'd never followed his stuff. I listened to this two-part episode. I've listened to uh, it all. I know exactly what you mean. And I just I remember I was driving from New Orleans to Birmingham, Alabama to see clients. And I basically pulled over into a rest stop, started taking notes and said, I don't know what this guy's selling, but I'm buying. Now, of course, now that I know it's Tony Robbins, he knows how to sell ketchup popsicles to women in white gloves. But at the time, I didn't really realize that. So I got to my hotel room in Birmingham. I literally called Tony Robbins's number on his website. I wrote a $10,000 check and I went to Business Mastery. And that was really the first thing that really kicked off. About a month after I went to Business Mastery, I started my political ad agency. This was in the beginning of 2015, so about seven years ago. So let me go through and just highlight the five key steps to the undefeated marketing system, where it starts off with extensive customer data insight and research. And then you do a data-backed strategic marketing plan. And then you do some creative messaging and data-backed messaging, creative rebranding to be able to be in alignment with the previous two steps. Then you test the new messaging and you gain insights from that. Then the fourth step is data-backed message testing. We're testing a little bit to see what works. And then you'll launch the marketing campaign. Every single step of this relies on the previous steps. After using this method thousands of times, how do you view the difference in using it for business clients versus political clients? The principles are the same. The execution is totally different. I learned that because I was working for a supplement company. They were one of the first corporate companies that hired us. And they said, hey, we want you to help us grow the business. We're super interested in how you run political campaigns. I hadn't really mapped out this five-step system in corporate world. We inherently use five-step system in every political campaign. We don't talk about it. We just follow these five steps inherently. So this guy named Tim, who was the owner of the supplement company, came to me and he said, hey, man, I love the idea of using political marketing strategies to run businesses. Let's try it with yours. So we did. We started having some success. But again, I wasn't following my undefeated marketing system at the time. It really hadn't evolved at that point. And what happened was about two months into working with them, we started to have some big results for them. Then he said, hey, I want you to run an Instagram campaign based on my best-selling supplement. We said, great. We put that campaign together. We presented it to Tim, the owner. And he looked at us and said, what in the world are you doing? I go, what do you mean? He said, this ad campaign that you've designed is all around my supplement and it does doesn't have a human being in the Instagram picture. And we said, yeah. He said, I've spent eight years working on my organic algorithm. You have to have a human being in the Instagram picture or you will lose everything on your organic algorithm. How do you not understand that? How do you not know my business? 
it was one of those wake up calls for me. I took a step back and I said, Tim, so sorry about that. We will change this immediately. We'll have a new design for you tomorrow. He said, great, I'll talk to you then. Actually, that was the last time I talked to him because he ghosted me and never heard from him again still to this day. I was pretty devastated because I thought this was a client we could really help grow. So I ended up going and sitting in the office I'm in right now, locking myself in the office for about two weeks and writing in a notebook with a pen questions and answering questions of what is it that we're doing here? How can we improve client outcomes? One of the questions I asked was, what is the formula that we utilize in political campaigns to elect presidents and senators, governors and congressmen and women? And how could we apply that in business? The five steps were born right there. And I immediately contacted my client team. I said, call all of our clients. We're going to start working with them following this formula. My team pushed back really hard on me because they like working with our clients the way they were working with them and they didn't want to change. I said, I don't care. The clients got really nervous when I decided to change their whole strategy approach, but they went along with it. Now we're looking at five, six years later, and we have grown every single business Every single company that has followed the five steps has grown above where they were when they hired us. That's because we have worked through this five-step system. We have refined it. We have optimized it. And we are having growth for every single client. We have four clients, which I'm happy to walk through. Big clients to small business clients that are in the process right now of having the greatest months in the history of their companies. That's because they are following this formula, which not only obviously the principles of it elect presidents, but the formula actually is a risk elimination formula. It is a risk elimination formula for marketing. The reason that's important for me, Bill, is because every company, every business owner, every small business owner I talk to says the same thing. They've hired and fired multiple marketing agencies. They have tried a bunch of marketing tactics. I didn't say strategies, tactics. And sometimes they work, but most of the time they don't. Or they tried some Facebook ads and they lost a ton of money and got no leads. Everybody has come to me with this exact same story observation. That's Facebook's business plan. Throw a lot of money at us. Maybe it works. No, I, I would disagree in this way. Four or five years ago, you could have success on Facebook, but they changed the rules. Yeah. They always change the rules. This is part of the problem. In fact, let me give you an example. We work with a background check hiring firm. A guy named Tom in the Philadelphia area and he owns three Burger Kings. He has a lot of labor that comes in and out. So he has to do background checks on everybody that they're going to hire. So the head of their business and market marketing division came to us and he said, Hey, Philip, we really need this help. We started working with them. One of the things we do with all of our clients is we run audits on all their marketing. And we found out that they had been spending $5,000 a month on SEO and Google keywords, except Google had changed the rules three years ago. And they weren't aware that the Google keyword had changed the rules of the makeup of the ads and how you had to buy them. They had actually been bidding against their own keywords and driving up the price for three three years, wasting over $100,000. And they had no idea until we came in, started implementing our five-step system and showing them, look, the rules are going to change constantly. Right now, Google is pretty much trying to wipe Facebook off the face of the earth. Not only that, Apple has changed the way Facebook ads work. So everything on the Facebook has decreased and diminished extensively, but it doesn't mean anything. What I'm saying is all of these platforms are changing the rules constantly. They're changing the 
the algorithms. They're changing the way you connect to your customers. And too often, the small business owner is out there just trying to run their business. They know they have to market their business and they'd rather just outsource it and turn it over. And they turn it over to people that don't know what they're doing. That's a big mistake. The void I found in the marketplace was trying to be the person that came in and said, we're on top of this all the time. We are on top of all the rule changes, everything. As a business owner in real time, what changes and what doesn't, how you need to pivot. And you're not caught two or three years later realizing that you've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because you didn't know that the rules had changed. It's great that when you made this discovery that you had this system in place that had led to success in political campaigns and you're able to articulate it and codify it, you're able to bring that same approach to success with business clients. Second of all, what would you say are the three or four characteristics of a prospect, maybe an ideal prospect that they're struggling with in their minds when they say, I really need to reach out to Big Win Media? Really, I'm only focused on one, and that is, are you committed or are you interested? Because everybody's interested. They're interested in figuring out their marketing. They're interested in making sure that they understand how they need to win at the game of marketing. They understand and are super interested in a formula that eliminates their risk and guarantees that they grow their business. But as you know, Bill, about 75% of business owners chase shiny objects. For them, I'm a shiny object until they realize that there is hard work to be involved. If you run successful businesses, understand that successful marketing is 90% of why they're so successful. And if you're not committed to making sure that 90% of your business is, is marketing correctly and successfully, and if you come in and you go, I love that undefeated marketing system. I'm super interested in that. And all of a sudden, a shiny object runs by you after two months and you go, yeah, this marketing stuff's hard, but there's this shiny object over here that tells me I can get the get rich quick pill. I'm going to go chase that now. We do this. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. We've all done it. The point I'm trying to make is this. There are businesses out there that are committed and there are business owners out there that are interested. We have had plenty of interested business owners come in, work with us, and then exit out pretty quickly because what they realize is, oh my gosh, I have to be committed to a long-term successful marketing campaign and approach. This is my business. This is where my business needs to go for the next two, three, four, five years. And I'm all in on building that the right way. The distinction right there is that business owners need to say, this is a long-term commitment. It's not two or three weeks, two or three months, it's two or three years. Can you share an example of a company you've worked with that made that commitment and saw some results? Yeah. So there's a guy named Dino who runs a organic grain-free granola company. He has had his business for about 13 years and he read my book and he said, okay, this speaks to me, but I'm a small business. How do we even get there? I think he's got somewhere between 10 and 20. And he said, we've done really well. We're like in the low seven figures for an e-commerce food company. I said, all right, let's go look. Let's start following these five steps. Really the most important step is step one, understanding your customer, understanding how they work. And we can kind of dive into that in just a minute. But anyway, so Dino comes to us and, and we work through, especially step one, understanding his customer and then implementing the next four or five steps, then we launched out, right? This company is 13 years old. In November of 2021, Black Friday, he always advertises on Black Friday, except in November of 2021, after working with us for six months, he had the greatest Black Friday in the history of his company. The reason being is that we were super targeted to his audience. We knew exactly what his customer market wanted, where they went, how they bought things, what they were looking for, and we delivered that content to them. And we 
had been optimizing his campaigns for five months after he'd worked through the undefeated marketing system. Really gone through and understood what messages resonated on what platforms with what graphics so that when you put it out there for Black Friday, it was the result of months of testing, hundreds, if not thousands of iterations in order to say, we are ready for Black Friday. And you were able to present that. And he probably grew in market reach, number of customers, average order size, all of those metrics. Is that accurate? Yeah. So it really begins though with step one when he came in and said he wanted to work with us. So I have a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. In my database, I have 240 million American consumers, 550 million connected devices. I'm tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. So what we can do with anybody is overlay their customer lists or look at a ideal lookalike modeled audience, or we can put a pixel on your website and grab the IP addresses of anybody that comes to your website and then track their movements online. Then we're able to spit out a data report for any business, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. We are able to tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer. We'll tell you their top three values in life. We'll tell you the social media platforms they're on in a chronological order. We'll tell you what they read, specifically the publications they read, specific TV shows they watch. We will tell you everything you've ever wanted to know, including one of the most important factors. Do your customers buy based on price, quality, or convenience? Convenience is how you close the gap on friction to transaction. Think about Amazon. That is a convenience marketplace because it's two clicks and you get your stuff delivered to your door. You knew that your customers were more focused on price rather than quality. That would systematically change everything in the way you market. If you knew that your customers were more focused on quality rather than convenience or price, that means you don't need to run out and market on discount because they don't care. They want to know they can get their quality product and they can get it conveniently. So here's the deal. It all comes down to the way having empathy for your customer or client, figuring out what they want, what moves them and delivering your messages, your ads, your marketing to the customer or client based on what they want and being relevant to them in their eyes, not what you just want to talk about. Philip, I love the description that you just gave. Can you break it down and give me one or two specifics about how this worked for Dino's company and what messages you were sending on Black Friday in November 2021 that would yeah. not have appeared without the insights that you had built up? So we found out that his customers were organic food purchasers. We found out that they were gluten-free purchasers. We found out that they bought at Whole Foods and they bought in locations that were health food stores. We also found out that their customers were closely purchasing items around holiday periods because they knew they could get discounts and deals. And so this business owner had done discounted marketing at non-discounted holidays and he couldn't figure out why no one bought. He also did market around Black Friday. He just did his budget around Black Friday was, I don't know, $5,000. We told him, you need to spend $25,000 on Black Friday because that's when people are looking for your products the most. So we rearranged when he was spending money, how the messages were going to be working for his company, what platforms they needed to go on, what platforms they needed to go off of, 
because we found out that he was advertising on certain platforms like Facebook or YouTube and his customers weren't on those platforms and weren't purchasing things on those platforms. So ultimately, we just rearranged and reordered the way he was working and running his marketing, which is step two, which is building a strategic plan, not running a bunch of tactics. In order to do that, he had to get out of his comfort zone and say, I got to change the way I want to do, even though I'm already successful. My job is to not make you successful, to make you even more successful. That's the whole point, right? I'm not trying to change what makes you successful. I'm just trying to find alignment between your customer and you, the business owner. And ultimately, that's what led us to have more success for him than he's ever had. What were his buyers? Were they primarily concerned with quality, convenience, or price? It was quality, unless it was a holiday period. So it was conditional. the convenience did not matter at all. The other thing is his buyer were women that were moms, and they were in between the ages of 30 and 50. In the past, he had been targeting a wide range of men, women, older people, younger people. He didn't have any focus audience. It didn't mean we don't advertise to men or certain other demographics. It just means when you look at their budget, there are certain demographics that are going to get more ad dollars focused at them rather than other people. And that's what we did. What I love about this is that it wasn't just your opinion. It wasn't due to your knowledge or experience based in organic granola. It was looking at the data, looking at what people actually did based upon decisions they made and actions they took, not on speculation, not on customer history, but watching their actions and then mapping a strategy based Based upon their actions. You write in the book about an example of a customer that came to you and said, I've got $100,000 to spend. When you asked him, what are the sorts of results that you want to see from it? That person merely said, I want a $500,000 return with no other context, with no other looking at growing the business. Why is that frustrating to you? And say more about how that holds people back to hold on to these misconceptions and biases that we come into marketing with based on limited experience. Yeah, this was a clothing company we were working with. The owner Kyle came to us and he said, hey, you guys are having like a 2.3 or 2.x return rate on your ads. Like they're spending, let's say 10,000 and they're getting 25,000 in revenue, which was more than they'd ever got. And he said, I don't understand. This is not what I'm looking for. We went, why? He said, in my spreadsheet for the year about what we need to do to earn business, we want a 10 to one revenue to spend ratio. I said, where'd you get that from? He said, I don't know. I just thought it. I said, a 10 to one ratio that only exists if you're willing to spend about $10 million. He said, no, I don't want to spend any money. If I could spend $1,000 and get $10,000, that's what I'd want. I said, you have to tell me where you're getting that from. He said, off of my head, that's what I want. I said, that doesn't exist. I'm not going to lie to him. I said, we're getting more success out of your ads than anybody has ever done for you. He didn't want to hear it. Every time we tried to show him, the way I would describe the way I look at marketing is I'm an analytics and data guy, right? If you ever read the book Moneyball, I'm a Moneyball marketer. Love the book. When I put together a budget, it is based on what the data tells us we will deliver on. It's not a guess. I don't guess. I don't sit there and say, I don't know, let's do a 10 to 1 ratio. It doesn't work like that. What I love yeah. about the stories is that he not only said it came from my head, which is strikingly forthright, but he institutionalized it because he had it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> he expected right. that. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's in, it's in the spreadsheet. I heard that one a couple of times, but it's in the spreadsheet. <laughs> it was a very unique conversation. But again, that's someone that's interested, not committed. Because 
because they're getting their guessing and I don't want to guess. My whole purpose, Bill, is to eliminate the risk of the business owner. De-risking. So I, as a market, one of the things, and I write about this in the first book that you mentioned earlier called Fire Them Now, is one of the biggest lies that marketers tell business owners is that they need to sign a long-term contract to work mm-hmm. with them. So every CEO I talked to for that book, I mean, over a hundred, they all said the same thing. They had fired a marketing agency sometime in the life cycle of their business, but typically they had to sign three, six, 12-month contracts that they couldn't break. So if the marketing agency didn't perform, they were working with them for six, eight, nine more months. I've never had a contract in the history in 27 years of doing business now that wasn't month to month. So anybody can get rid of me on two weeks notice, basically. The reason I do that is because my focus is putting the business owner first. If the business owner succeeds, then it doesn't matter if I have a month to month contract. They're never going to get rid of me. I have a client right now that the first contract they signed with me was in 2006. And I still have them 16 years later. I'm still marketing for them. We have multiple clients that have been working with us for years. My team, the people that work for me, every day they know that their jobs are on the line with that client. If you're a business owner, isn't that what you should demand from your marketer? It doesn't have to be me. It could be anything, anybody. You should demand the marketer be month to month because if they're not performing for you, you should not be pigeonholed with a contract with a company that's not working for you. Well put. Let me ask you, what does the conversation go to prepare the business owner to know that you're going to do things that are contrary to what his or her instinct says, to what his or her favorite places are? Maybe the business owner says, all my friends are on Facebook and you have to explain to them that's not where your buyers are. How does the conversation go where you set up for success and say, look, we may do things that are going to be different than what you expected to do, but that's really why you're hiring us. What are your words in order to help set those expectations for the relationship to know that you're really looking at the best interests of the business, even though it may not fit within his or her ideas? I've written two books. I have a podcast and I've done over 500 interviews in the last six years. So every single client that has come in knows what we demand before they come in. I don't have to say anything actually, because they know that if they come in and work with us, they are not interested. They're committed. They're all in. They've gone through enough pain. Most people don't make change until the pain is too big. What I get is a lot of business owners that aren't proactive in the front end to get it right. And they got it wrong over and over again. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'd love to find a business owner that says, you know what, before we go out and spend a bunch of money, let's get this right on the front end. Let's not waste money. But typically that's just not what happens. What happens is the people that are drawn to my message of commitment, of doing things the right way, of being empathetic to your customer client. They're the ones that have gone through so much pain. They go, yeah, I should have done that to begin with. Philip, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? Can't wait. So when you were a teenager, Philip, what's a song that you loved? Fly Me Courageous by Driving and Crying. I'm not singing, Bill. No, Singing is not my thing. I'm just asking you to go beyond the comfort zone here. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. I got it. No, I'm not singing though. So you built your companies based upon three things you say in the book. You say you built them on your reputation, the results that you Mm. produce, and referrals. What would you say is the most important thing that you do on a weekly basis to get your message out to new people to help them learn about you and what a resource you could be for them as helping them grow their business? Yeah, I study the trends that are going on in the world. I've probably interpreted more consumer data since the pandemic broke out since the last two years than any human on earth with my database. Nobody has looked at data as much as I have. I've consulted Tony Robbins. I've consulted Peter Diamandis, who's Elon Musk's business partner. I've consulted Mark Cuban on the data that I'm seeing and what I'm evaluating and interpreting on a daily basis. I'm working with every single one of my clients to understand what's working, what's not working, things that are driving sales and things that aren't. And I'm using 
collecting all of that information, not to mention interviewing some of the most fascinating people in the world that are my friends and utilizing all that to spread the word, to help people make the right decisions when it comes to marketing. A lot of people ask what the best advice you ever received. I want to ask you, what do you think is the worst advice you ever received as an adult? Don't rock the boat. Because what happens if you follow that advice? We're all motivated to have certainty in our lives. Everybody wants certainty. I want it. Everything I do, you want it. Everything you do, we all want certainty. So what happens is people like me that take a ton of risk and invest a ton of dollars of my own money back into my businesses, we put us into a lot of uncertainty. But then my certainty sort of bleeds into other parts of my life because that's where I'm trying to seek my certainty. What I've learned from a lot of people is they get very nervous when they see challenge what would be certainty, what would be my comfort zone. So the advice I get or have gotten is, Philip, just stop rocking the boat. Stop. When I wrote my first book called Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketer Sell, I was told you're going to go after the entire marketing industry and expose their unethical behavior. Don't rock the boat. Don't do that. That's going to end your career. When I went out into the corporate marketing world and I told people I was going to run marketing campaigns for companies like we run political campaigns for politicians, I was told that's suicide. Don't rock the boat. And so on and on, I'm just continually told not to rock the boat by certain people. That's just their own crap. I don't know, but that is the advice I get a lot from a lot of different people. What is your personal definition of success? I know I'm being successful when? I'm a good husband and father. What would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? Loving myself. I didn't love myself for 46 years of my life. A year ago, I decided I was going to be committed to that. So I carve out time every day to check in, figure out my making decisions based on the things that make my make me happy, make my life better, make me a better husband, make me a better father. The things that really wake me up every day to be excited about life, or am I doing these things for someone else? I've just stopped doing that for someone else. What's the most significant way that you've shown that you love yourself in the last two weeks? What's something that stands out in your mind? I have an addiction and it's called distraction. If I'm on ESPN talking about sports, if I'm on Fox News talking about politics, if I'm on a podcast talking about marketing, there are a million different things that I go down. When I turn off all of my distractions and I'm allowed to be in my own brain and make sure I'm okay, I sit on the beach and I stare at the ocean for an hour without any headphones, phone calls, emails, podcasts, anything. I just sit there with my own thoughts, something I'm that scares the hell out of me. And I realize that I'm okay. In your book, you describe how you went to your chief operating officer and said that you wanted 15 extra company. You came to him and simply said, this is an ambition that I have. Your CEO asked, what's your plan, Philip? What was your response? And what happened next? It's kind of like the spreadsheet the client put in front of me. He pointed to it and said, yeah, but we got a 10x uh, ad campaign. I had to actually put a real plan in place. I had to actually think about how, if I'm going to 10 or 15x this company, what are the steps? What are the processes? Who are the people that are going to help us get there? And how do we build that plan and start implementing that plan? Look, I've got, I'm a big believer in front-loaded investment. What I mean by that is I've spent over a million dollars in the last seven years on what I believe is the best stock in my portfolio. And that's me. So I've invested, I'm a master in accounting now. I was 
was not seven years ago. I took thousands of hours of accounting work so I could become excellent at understanding numbers and, and playing a money ball game within my own company, within my own books. I've taken sales classes. I've taken marketing classes. I've done everything because I've never climbed the top of the mountain. I'm always in the journey of climbing the mountain. And because of that self-investment and knowing that every time I've bet on me, I've won, that my companies are approaching close to $100 million in revenue by the end of 2022 in seven years. So there's a reason that we've grown that big and that fast. It's because I wasn't hesitating. I wasn't scared to bet on me. And I invested the time and the resources to understand and get smarter at the tools that I needed to get to understand and get smarter on. I think that comes as a result of your conviction that you were committed, not just interested in growing. Philip Setz, I want to thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best, where we talked about the incredible importance of following a system and making sure that you follow the analytics and not just hunches in order to grow your business. Philip, before we say goodbye for now, where can we find out more about you and your work online? Yeah, you can go to philipstutz.com. I'm sure you'll spell it out in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in understanding what your customer or client list would look like in our data system, we do have a free data evaluation. It's at philipstutz.com slash insights. And uh, my team will do a 30-minute free call to walk through customer or client and tell you how we'd look in our database. And that's for free. And you don't have to hire us. Again, you can find my, I always say this, I have a podcast that I give as it's focused to small business owners. It is focused. It, it All it does is give free tips and free ideas out. Uh, I write a blog that is also free tips and free ideas. And then my book is eight bucks. So basically you can get a lot of different content for about $8 into perpetuity. And we try to do what the whole purpose of all of that is to help small business owners get an edge over their competition. Because let me just say this before we get out of here. If you use data, and you don't have to use my system, but if you use data to understand your customers' clients, you will have an infinite advantage over your own competition because they are not doing this. This is a moment in time where you got to do it because the world is being disrupted at a historic rate and you have the chance to be exponential in your business or just average. And this is an opportunity to be exponential. So true. Well put. Philip Stutz, author of the bestseller, The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents. I want to thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.